Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Dafa Shavu as we study Mesechus Chagiga, Daf Yud Aleph. I'm going to spend some time today on a topic that on the surface does not seem halachalamasa. We actually may spend a little more time on it than I usually would on such a topic. But I think that relating to this Mesechta, there's a very strong uh, reason to deal with this, and it's the issue of Me'ila. Me'ila technically is when something is dedicated to the Beis HaMikdash, when something is hectish, and a person trespasses and takes it, and as we'll explain, gets Hana'a. This is the way it's presented on the top of Daf Yud Aleph, where a beam is taken from Hegdish, sanctified for the Beis HaMikdash. Things can be sanctified either for Kedusha or even for Bedekabais, for the upkeep of the sanctuary. And then the person brings it into their home. And as the Gemara explains, as codified, if you look in the Amish, but by the Rambam, towards the end of Hilchos Me'ila, which is in the very end of Sefer Havoda. Once the person receives Hana, either by taking this beam and putting it into the infrastructure of the home, which by definition is giving the individual Hana benefit, or if it's a loose beam sitting under the beam, let's say when it's raining and getting Hana. Now, what does this have to do with us? And I want to introduce this topic with an article by Rabbi Soloveitchik. The article is based on a shear that Rabbi Soloveitchik gave, a lecture that Rabbi Soloveitchik gave in 1971. You could find this on page 13 of Reflections of the Rav. And it actually ties into this whole Masechta, the general theme of this Masechta, of the fact that a person has to leave their home three times a year and to be Olil Migdash, to go up to the base Migdash. This concept is a recognition that we find in many midrashim, that Hashem is the ultimate distributor and owner of the world, and a person has to give up sometimes some of their own finances, close up their farm, and leave for a week of productive work, or it generally would be productive work in the field, on the farm, with the cattle, and go up and serve Hashem. The Rav points out in this article that we see Hashem in three different ways. We know, of course, that Hashem is the Borei Umanhik, the creator and the sustainer. Hashem didn't just pack to his bags, Kaviyacho, after creating the world like the deists believe. But the point that he stresses, and that I want to tie into this Masechta, and then, in this long-winded way, get us back to Me'ila, which is such a beautiful halacha, important halacha, is that Hashem is also the owner of the world, the Adon of the world. In fact, in the Tziv point out, points out that you'll see the term describing Hashem as the Adon in the context of Shalash Regalim, where there's a recognition that we give up our own needs for ultimately serving Hashem, who is the owner of the world. Now, what does this have to do with this mitzvah of Me'ila, which on the surface is totally irrelevant today? Now, on the surface, this is totally not halacha lamasa. In fact, we have a special halacha that is formulated in the Rambam. You can find this in Hilchas Erech and Periches Halachaches, based on a Brisa, Maseches Yoma, Samach Vav, Amit Aleph, 
that in Makdisha, Bizman has a, it's discussing over there not only Makdishim, but also Machrimim and Marichim. We're not getting into all of those issues right now. And the whole reason why one would not set aside something as Hegdish today is because we don't want to end up with a Takala, with a terrible error taking place in the formulation of the Gemara there and the Rambam, Lehanos Mina Hegdish. You end up setting something as Hegdish for the base on Migdash, and there is no base on Migdash, you're going to end up using it. Velavo Lide Mi'ila. Halach Lamasa, this actually could play out um, relating to Shkalim. If a person, for example, with uh, the approach of Purim, would say that this is Lamachatis Hashekel, we try to go out of our way to say Zecher Lamachatis Hashekel, because you're not actually dedicating something to the Beis Hamigdash. And this finds its way into the Hilchasadaka, Shochan Archiardeh, Hilchasadaka, Simon Rashon and Ches, an incredible Ramah, where the Ramah says, Al Yomar Adam Selazela Hegdash. A person should never say that I'm being mekadesh something to the shul. We have to be very careful with fundraisers to make sure we're not getting people to say this, but it is letztaka. The many chuvos the Ramah brings down, based on a, something from the Mordechai as well, the chuvos of Rashba, in Tavshin Samach Beis, Tavshin Mem Beis. These are two chuvos of the Rashba. We're talking about what happens if a person does say that he's giving lahegdish. So we assume that what really what he meant was tzedakah. But there are certain situations where the language may be so specific, as it was in the time of the Beis Hamikdash, that there would be a need for shelas chacham. This is all in that Ramah in Rishon and Ches. Now this brings us back to our discussion of why am I spending so much time on Hilchus Me'ila? And I want to use this piece from the Rav to show how Me'ila is no Gea Bizman Hazeh on our own application. I'm mentioning this uh, shear that the shear is being recorded in the beginning of, of Shavat, the month of Shavat, Tuba Shavat, we generally focus on Hilchus Brachos. And this is how the Rav connects it. Because we have the Gemara in Meseches Brachos and Daflamet Hayomet Aleph, Tanarabbanon, that even though we don't have formal hegdish, but we look at everything in this world as being sanctified, hegdish in this context meaning separated from our use, from access to it, until we make a bracha. That's exactly what the Gemara says. So the way the Rav explains this, and it's really very basic, if you look into the Gemara, in Maseches Brachas and Lamed Hayamad Aleph, that everything in this world is restricted because Hashem is the Adon. The Matir, the key, what allows us to have the access to it is by saying a Bracha because that's an acknowledgement of where it comes from. Hashem isn't restricting it forever. It's to get us, not that Hashem needs us to say a Bracha for ourselves, to have the awareness of who is not only the creator, the sustainer, but the owner of the world. So there's a lot of philosophy behind it, and of course, it is halacha lamasa. Now, it's very interesting, and here's where I think people sometimes make a mistake, is what is the nature of this key? Could any bracha open up the lock, if we could explain it in that way? 
So people are very comfortable at times with an idea that if you don't know a bracha, what bracha to say, then say Baruch Shahakol. When I did an analysis of the Gemara Mesechus Brachas, it's not what the Gemara says. The Gemara says that the only way you could gain access to what Hashem owns is by saying the proper bracha. And what happens if you don't know the proper bracha? The Gemara says on Lamed Hayomad Aleph, bracha ma'al. So what is the takana? Yelech chacham. And when you go to the chacham, the chacham will explain to you exactly what to do. What's implied from here is that if you don't say the proper bracha, then you are still mo'al behegdish. Again, it may not be ta- the that would require to be most of a chomesh, which is some of the halachas that you could find in the beginning of Hilchas Me'ila and the Rambam. But theologically, hashkafically, it's a very serious issue. Now, sure enough, when you get to the Shulchan Aruch with the commentaries of the Achronim, it's clear that a person has to learn Hilchas Brachas. The Shulchan Aruch in Hilchas Birchas Aperos discusses this he does say, But if you look into the Mishnah Brura, the Mishnah Brura in Simon Reish Dal at Sifchat Tan Samach says, This is true. One is Yotze by saying, However, the Mishnah Brura points out that this is not the ideal way at all. This is important, according to the Mishnah Brura, based on the Gemara. He says this in Simon Reish Bey's Pei Dalit, Vim if you're in doubt, Acher Shalomat, you learn Hilchas Brachas, and now you're not sure what to do, and there's no access to a Chacham, or as some of the Acharonim explained, even the Chachamim in certain areas have a debate, Ve'eno Yachal and you can't get any clarity, then you could say Shehakol. But the Mishnah Brewer says, and the source over here is straight in the Gemara, and in the context of the Gemara, there still may be a violation of Me'ila if we say Shakol when we should not be saying it. So this is all getting us back to a general hashkafa in the, of this Masechta, of appreciating that Hashem is the Adon with a specific application of Me'ila and how Me'ila does apply Bizman Hazeh not just in telling us not to dedicate things to the base on Mikdash, because we obviously don't have a base on Mikdash, but how we have an opportunity every single day in saying brachos to gain access to what Hashem is leaving for us and chas v'shalom not to trespass God's property. The Gemara goes on to discuss and brings down a brisa of other areas of halacha, where we seem to have relatively few psukim, that's the way the Gemara presents it, but a lot of halachas. One of the examples that's given is the halachas of Nigayim. Now the problem, of course, that the Gemara raises is we have Parshas Tazriyam and Sora, so we have a lot of psukim. So then the Gemara qualifies it, that we may have a lot of psukim, but we don't have so many halachas. And you'll go through the Gemara, as I'm sure you did, and get the details. I just want to point out that, of course, when it comes to Nigayim, as the Gemara Nerechen explains to us, that uh, one of the ways that Nigayim were 
manifested themselves was for a person who was involved in speaking Lashon Hara. And I just wanted to point out, because the Gemara says that the halachas are few, or I would apply it as some of the halachas aren't clear, is an incredible nitziv. The nitziv in Parshas Kedoshim, on the Pasig of Loselech Rachel, which is uh, one of the psukim that we use as the basis for the prohibition of Lashon Hara, in the same Pasig it says, Al Tamar Adam Re'echa. The typical understanding is that Lashon Hara could lead to the downfall of an individual, which tragically is true. And uh, too often we see such a situation where a person's reputation, and even worse, could be ruined through Lashon Hara. The Nitziv points out another fascinating uh, reading of this Pasuk, and maybe one of the halachas that's not as well known, is that there are certain times where a person needs to speak what we would call Lashon Hara, even though it's not Halachic Lashon Hara, and Altamo Damriyecha. By not doing so, we actually would be standing by idly someone else's blood. And the example would be, for example, if there's a predator, if there's a person that's about to commit a crime, then you have to speak. If not, you would be violating Altamo Damriyecha. And we have many chuvas uh, along these lines. This comes up in, a, I would say, a less dramatic, but very important way, even in the area of Shiduchim. What is disclosed and what's not disclosed. Many us on the topic, in the area of business partnership. So the Gemara over here maybe could be interpreted is that the halachas are not black and white. There's a lot of complexity, and every generation is going to have to really figure out to a certain extent, obviously based on earlier sources, how to apply these very fundamental halachas. Another area that's discussed on this daf, and again, these areas of halacha do not seem on the surface to connect to chagiga. We explained last week, according to the Meiri, how we got into this discussion. And one of the issues that's discussed is dinin. It's very interesting that dinin over here meaning dine mamanas, we have one of the one of the volumes, of course, of the Shulchan Aruch of the Torah, is Choshen Mishpat. When it comes down to it, you do not have so many psukim in the Torah that are dedicated to these halachas. Yeah, of course, have Pashtun Mishpatim, and the Gemara explains over here to get to the right interpretation of Nefesh Tachas Nefesh. I wanted to share a conversation I had recently with. Rebruvain Feinstein should be strong, where Rebruvain Feinstein reinforced something that his father, Ramosha Zechatzak Lavracha, had stressed. I had just asked Rebruvain Feinstein, is this true, how much that Ramosha stressed it? And he said, of course, is the need to learn halachos of Nazikin. In the old days, and still in some yeshivas today, the yeshiva begins with studying Elam or Hamafgid or Shnayim something in the Babas. And Ramosha felt this was very important because Derech Eres just like in the beginning of the Shir, we explained how a bracha is a matir to be able to eat. The way I like to understand this is Derech Eres is Derech Eretz is a matir to Torah and to stress it. So we like to start with Masechus Brachas. It happens to be that's the beginning of the Daf cycle. And in many yeshivas, they begin. Rabbi Salavetri thought that was of great value because Reish Chachma Yeres Hashem. 
But on the other hand, Ramosha felt we should stick to beginning with Nezikin and studying these halachas. So even here in Maseches Chagiga, you have a small piece on Dinin, Dine Mamanus, embedded in a much uh, broader discussion. For the last part of the year, I wanted to give a uh, short introduction to the Mishnah. We finish this week the first parak and we begin the second parak. The whole basis of this Mishnah being a Masechus Chagiga is a question. We don't have time now to get into details, but as I pointed out many times in our learning, the Me'iri, the great Rishon, often will try to explain, justify what a Mishnah is doing in a certain Masechta and its geographic location. He assumes that this Mishnah, at least the beginning, is not the focus of this Masechta. And then he says that because of the previous Gemara, was discussing certain areas that are somewhat vague, specifically the area of Arayas. So the Mishnah takes the opportunity to teach some halachas relating Arayas. One would have to then pose the question to the Meiri, which I'm sure he could answer. So who needs a new Mishnah or a new parak? Just have that Mishnah included in the previous Mishnah or as an attachment to the previous parak. But the first halacha that's taught is in darshan ba'arayos, and there's a lot to say about this. We don't expound the conversations relating to arayos more than three. What exactly this means? Does this mean anyone, an expert? But I want to just end with two fascinating chuvas of Ramosha Feinstein where he quotes this Mishnah. Both of these are found in Evan Ezer. Ramosha wrote on all halakim. The first one is found in Chelek Aleph of Ebene Ezer, Chelek Aleph, Simen Samach Dalet, and the second is Chelek Gimel, Simen Yud Dalet. In both places, Ramosha was asked about some very intimate questions relating to contraception, relating to Sheikh Vazer Levatola. And in giving his very detailed answers, he's not shy from discussing the most intimate of issues. Ramosha says that these issues should not be discussed in newspapers where there's mass circulation. He's clearly reacting to something. And he says this is not a question just of sneers, of modesty, but it will lead to misinformation when things aren't diagnosed properly and discussed and researched in a way. He said, Shalos and Shuvos, Svarim, these issues should be discussed. Obviously, in private, these issues should be discussed. We just have to be careful about mass circulation of intimate issues. And he suggests actually in the second shuva, this could lead to shalom bias questions. People on the street will have a certain perception of what's the right thing. Others will have a different perception. There could be conflicts between husbands and wives. Things have to be done. So it's just fascinating how he takes this Mishnah and brings it down to earth. Bezrat Hashem next week will explain some of what Indarshan means in the different areas that are covered, and we'll actually have some fascinating Agadita on the next daf. Have a great week of learning.